We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Time now for Ken and Curtis with Ken Laird and Chris Curtis on WEEI. Saturday morning, uh, New England, Boston, everybody. Uh, this is the Ken and Curtis show once again without my uh, good friend, longtime colleague, Ken Laird, who he finally has a decent excuse. He's celebrating his mom's 80th birthday. So, uh, Mrs. Laird, happy birthday. Ken, enjoy the, he's enjoying the Jersey Shore before getting back here. Next week is a huge week for this radio station as Tuesday and Wednesday we'll be broadcasting live from Fenway Park for our 20th annual Jimmy Fund, WEEI Nesson Radio Telethon to raise money for the best cause in Boston, pediatric cancer care, and the Dana-Farber. So uh, join us for that. The guest list is spectacular. And we will have Bill Belichick making his debut spot with The Greg Hill Show Monday morning between 8 and 8.30. But in the stead of Ken Laird is the far more talented Kyrie Thompson. Good morning, oh, don't, Kyrie. Don't be on here starting stuff, okay? I'm not trying to get in trouble with the boss man. <laughs> oh, All don't right? worry. You know what I mean? What's up, y'all? Good to be with you again. Yeah, so we have Kyrie who spent a late night in the bowels of Gillette Stadium covering... The preseason game number two, which we'll be talking about all morning long. If you want to join us, 617-779-7937. And uh, you can get us on the highly functioning Odyssey app wherever you go today or by asking your smart speaker to play 93.7 WEEI. So, Kyrie, before we get too deep here into all the uh, the storylines out of the game, what were your first impressions from the second preseason game? What did you like? What didn't you like? Um, offense still needs work, particularly in the run game. Um, we've been waiting for them to show some form of, of uh, consistent competence, and it wasn't entirely there last night. But you saw some glimpses of it, and in particular, Ty Montgomery looks really good. That, to me, he look, he looks like your James White replacement. Everybody's asking, oh, yeah, who's going to be the third gown guy? Who's going to be the first man off the bench to replace James White? That would be Ty Montgomery. That looks pretty clearly to be him. And I think that uh, the defense was a very interesting one to me because I feel like we saw kind of who the starting defense is going to be in week one, I would say. And I think they're going to lean a little bit more experience over over youth and explosiveness, at least to begin with. Yeah, I thought the for me, watching the Mac Jones debut, it was obviously up and down. 
Yes. Um, my it was also it, it, talk about the timing is everything. You have Steve Burton interviewing James White. Yep. Talking to him about his amazing career, yep. the great send off that the Crafts and Bill gave him this past week, well deserved. Maybe the most unheralded superstar in terms of magnitude of big play in the history of Boston sports. He was smart. You know, you know the stat now. He had a fumble, never lost a fumble as a member of the Patriots. That's incredible. I mean, considering his size as well, and the you know those thinking of those defenses the Patriots and, and James White went against, whether it was Ray Lewis or I mean, just incredible teams, the Legion of Boom. All of that. So uh, James White is a remarkable guy. I think he's one of the few people that have come to play here where not a single person who's covered him has ever had a bad interaction with him. It says a lot to his character and everybody that's played with him. But you have Steve Burton talking to James White, and he's getting Wally pipped during the interview by Ty Montgomery running into the end zone after a spectacular throw by Mac Jones to Nelson Aguilar. Well, well it, it, you can't be Wally pipped if you ain't playing no That's more, true, right? right. He's, he's, he's all nice and retired. But, you know, yeah, I think that we can dig into this later. You mentioned Mac Jones. I got to be honest, I did not like what he was doing, specifically him, until that third drive where it looked like, okay, there, there we go. We're setting in, in a little bit of a rhythm here and whatnot. And maybe some of it was the patchwork offensive line they put out in front of him because you had, what, three starters missing or, or like, guys shuffled around. You didn't have people in their normal places. Um, And I think that the receivers that they put out there in the the beginning of the game were kind of the slow receiver package. But just generally, like, his, his comfort level in the pocket didn't look very good. I didn't like his mechanics and the way that he was, he was functioning in there. And I think it showed in the throws that he made where he, he like sailed one high to Jacoby Myers. He threw one like behind Ramondre Stevenson's ear though. Stevenson wasn't going to catch it anyway because he didn't see the ball. And you're just kind of like, man, what is going on here? I mean, the, the, the drop to, to Devonte Parker. I mean, like the ball was a little bit behind Parker. It wasn't quite on target, but Parker's got to catch that. Right, like, that was like, more like, like, let's be real. You got to catch that ball. But I, I feel like I've seen a couple of things this past week where I'm like, okay, Mac, like, Get it together a little bit. Like, you're better than this. We've seen you be better than this. And and you also got to remember sometimes, like, yeah, for as good as he was last year, he is still a young quarterback. There are still things for him to iron out. And, again, I think that he clearly made progress on those items in that third drive. He looked more like Mac Jones. Yeah, and I th- this is sort of what we would talk about, whether it was Zach Wilson or one of the 17 quarterbacks in Miami since the Patriots had Brady, that these sort of just conveyor belts of coaches on the offensive side of the ball leave long-lasting ramifications for the quarterback that stays to be coached by several different people. And it would be, I think, relatively surprising if Mac wasn't in any way impacted by the departure of Josh and the arrival of whomever, whether it was even Adam Gase, whether it was Bill O'Brien, whether it's Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, and Bill Belichick. He and Josh were tied at the hip last year. And it appears to me at times that Mac has been in his own head. And the the commentary to the media has subsided in terms of the doom and gloom. I think somebody got to him and was like, hey, Mac, you're the leader of this team. You're in Brady's old locker now. You know, you don't worry about airing dirty laundry or concerns through the press. Because he did that a little bit, not this past week, the week before. And I, you know, I feel like the quarterback especially the guy that's really in the stead with this offense is going to be judged against an impossible standard. 
but Mac has the ability to overcome some of those self-made concerns when just worrying about doing his job and not really concerning himself with everything around him. Yeah, and you know what? With him, I think that you want to see that to an extent from your quarterback. He clearly he cares. He's a perfectionist. He is obsessed with getting better at his craft. He wants to be a leader of this team. I mean, you can see it in the little things that he does at practice, right? During quarterback drills or you know, when teams are doing their position drills, he'll hop over with the offensive linemen and he will do their their cadence, right? When they're hitting the sled, like he'll go over there and give them a snap count. He's trying to be involved with every section of this team. He's constantly working. But again, there's, there's those times where you can see like he's a little bit of a hothead. Right. Like he's, he's definitely got that that young quarterback like come in like, oh, my God, I need everything to be perfect like right now. And he's got the air of a guy who had tremendous success in college and he's coming in. He had tremendous success in his rookie season. And he's just kind of like, I need like, why isn't this coming easier? Why isn't this happening faster? And I do think, though, that it is balanced with when he when he talks to the media, even when he expresses some of that frustration he does understand that this is a process, and he talked a little bit about last year with you know kind of separating days into you know good buckets and bad buckets, and and just kind of taking each day as it comes and be like, okay, I'm going to learn from it and try not to make the same mistakes. I think he does have the right mentality when it comes down to it. It's just like in those moments when the frustration is clear, it it's hard to ignore. He he wears it on his sleeve. And I think that it's just something he's going to have to keep on learning as he goes through his career that, look, you got to tamp some of that down because this is a process, not just for this offense, for this coaching staff, but for you specifically, because I feel like what we saw last year was a guy who he had a lot of success, but it's almost like we forget he was a rookie, right? We, we forget that he was a rookie because of how well he played. And I mean, there, there's such a big learning curve in just how to conduct yourself in the NFL. I mean, not not that like he's he's a major immaturity issue or anything like that, but there's so many things he still has to learn. Yeah, and I think the the issues with Mac are are sort of more team wide, but the the the, the way Belichick has coached here since he arrived is that the teams would be on an uptick over the course of the season. It was never mm-hmm. linear, but you would begin at a place and you would end at a better one. Almost uniformly, I mean, outside of maybe the 2009 team Brady coming out of his his, uh, you know, missed season with the ACL tear. Uh, the last three years, actually, including Brady's final year here, they struggled at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And what is essential is that they get back to figuring out who they are, first four games of the year, you know, you see who can do it and who can't, and then you build with what you have to have your best games being played at the end of the year. And Mac didn't do that last year. He wasn't the reason they lost in Buffalo in the playoff game, but... He had a big play. He had a big uh, role in the loss at the Colts, which was sort of a swing game for that season. So there's a lot on his plate. That's as it should be. Uh, I, I am. I was very. Uh, I, I guess in a way, I was. I was in my own head supportive of the Patriots' offense mm-hmm. going into last night because of Bill's reported role in the play calling. That changed my outlook on the team. I didn't think they were a playoff team, but. That was largely due to what I believe to be two gigantic asshats and Patricia and Judge on the offensive side of the ball. I thought that was a disaster waiting to happen. So if Bill is either one foot or both feet in on the offense, that changed the way I viewed it. And it changed the way I viewed the defense because if Bill thought the defense was in the same place as the offense, he would be coaching the defense more because there's nobody better at it than him. 
So that's where I sit on all those issues right now. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned this a couple times, but, but I think it, it bears repeating. I think that the gap between the defense and the offense during training camp wasn't about, oh, the offense is bad and it has no talent. We have bad players. To me, it was mainly there is one side of the ball that knows what it's doing. And there is another side of the ball that is figuring things out. And I don't need to tell you which one it was. Right. Okay. And, and I, I really think it was that simple because I think offensively, you could argue that they've got more talent, I, I think, and more certainty from top to bottom in terms of, of what their position groups are. But the scheme, the things that they're running, the, the, the places the offensive linemen are trying to be on the field, right? And, and Mac Jones, uh, you know, kind of going through some new reads and, and they're working on new plays. And the defense is kind of like, yeah, we've been doing this thing. This is basically the same kind of defense, more or less, that we've been running this entire time. Maybe there are more wrinkles, right? And I think Matt Rule mentioned that, that, oh, yeah, they threw like seven different defenses at us during joint practices. But again, that's stuff that they're already versed in. That's not new for them. So I, I think that I I don't feel as kind of doom and gloom about the defense as I did. And, and I suspected that this could be the case, that in the end, look, they, they don't have a great defensive roster, but what they have are a lot of NFL caliber players that you can play mix and match with. It isn't going to be one of those deals where you stick Jalen Mills out there on an island and say, okay, Jalen, you got him. Right. You're number one cornerback. You're locking it down. It's going to be a lot of matchup-specific stuff. They're going to play around with so many variations of corners and safeties and linebackers this year. And even on the front, they did it last night. They had Anthony Jennings on for the first play, which I found one of the most interesting storylines of camp, how he's risen. And then Dietrich Wise comes in, he and he's playing defensive end. And then Josh Uche comes in, and he's playing outside linebacker as well. They are going to play around with that unit so much because they can do that. With the offense, that's not quite the case. Yeah, Josh Uche should get a – he'd be in the Hall of Fame if he played like he did in the preseason in the regular season. That guy needs to bring that to the regular season because each year he pops as a guy like, okay, this is what the Patriots need. And then whether it's injury or inability or whatever, combination of the two, he's disappeared in big games, especially in the regular season. But I, I'd be curious out there, your thoughts on this team. When we come um, – shortly I'm going to share a number with you relating to the interest of this team. And it was shocking. So there's a lot of there were a lot of variables at play in the first preseason game. Nobody actually played. You know, there's there's other things going on in the world, but it was a startling number when it came to the TV rating this year for the first preseason game as compared to last year's first preseason game. Eventually, Kyrie, we're going to get into a, a little bit of some good news. I think about the future of the Celtics that was revealed on social media yesterday by the team's Twitter account, Yeah, which is, uh, I it, it's going to piss off my man Wiggy, and I am so <laughs> thrilled that he will be unhappy with this. Make We're, sure you're listening, Wiggy. Yeah, make sure you uh, you give us a call about this team. Where are you as a Patriots fan right now with this team? Are you, are you full-on Mac and Bill? We're a playoff team this year. I feel good about it. You have one foot in the pool, kind of waiting and seeing, or are you you know, watching Brady and seeing if he's on the mask singer or whatever the hell's going on with him in Tampa. If you want to join us, 617-779-7937. We'll get to all that. But first, here is Nick LaPan and what is trending. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Get Boston Sports Original on the go. Wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. We're right back to it. Ken and Curtis on WEEI. Uh, Mac, first game where you have Matt Patricia in your ear calling plays, mm. uh, Joe Judge helping out on offense with in-game action. How was that having them uh, kind of coach you up, and how excited did that just get you for the regular season? Yeah, I think Matty's done a great job. Um, he's one of the most brilliant people I've ever been around in terms of football <laughs> knowledge. So, um, you know, between all the coaches we have, they've done a great job preparing us and he's really starting to feel for it and that's the thing is just growing each week and making sure that we can stack you know good days together and he's very easy to talk to on the sideline very easy laid back kind of type coach but demands a lot and I respect that about him and um, hopefully we can grow for for a long time oh man that is Mac Jones talking about Vince Lombardi uh, no, sorry. Sean McVay? Uh, nope, close. Not really. But uh, the opposite of Sean McVay would be Matt Patricia. And I think there are about 40 current and former Detroit Lions that would beg to differ with his description of who Matt Patricia is. And if I were there, which I wasn't, I might have raised my hand and asked Mac why he is an offensive coordinator without a title if he's a brilliant coaching mind. He's what? one of the most brilliant people I've ever been around in terms of football knowledge, so. Well, I could probably tell you that. That's because, you know, they don't want to draw any ire from the league. It's like, oh, yeah, you named an offensive coordinator without going through the offensive coordinator hiring process. And and, uh, you got got another team paying them all that money. Like, what's going on, Pats? Well, I mean, on that topic, you're referring to the Rooney rule. I would say, what, what about Troy Brown? Why wouldn't he be the offensive coordinator? Who knows the offense better than Troy Brown? Who had more big plays and who could communicate with a quarterback? Who knows the inner workings of that system? Troy Brown was maybe the most successful. He, he created the Edelman-Welker mold that was utilized perfectly. I mean, Troy Brown was, for my money, I mean, he's probably... The, Troy Brown and James White are the two, if I were to say, non-quarterback who defined what the Patriots represented the last 20 years, it would be Troy Brown and James White. You know, the thing is there, I feel like he... They're not 
his right-hand man. They're not Bill, Belichick's right-hand man. Patricia is. And the other thing, too, is that even if they had uh, you know, given him serious consideration, meaning Troy Brown, they would still have to go through the process because you can't, you right. can't just elevate an in-house candidate. And I, I really do I, – I don't think there's anything super nefarious behind it, but I suggested this back at the Combine, the idea that, like, let's not be naive and think that this had absolutely nothing to do with it, that that having Patricia and Judge on your staff as, quote-unquote, offensive assistants and then having them do whatever you want, like, let's not think that that had nothing to do with with that, the idea that you didn't have to have other interviews, right? right? And you didn't have to go through the whole process. You didn't have to go through the low loopholes. That's how you can have your guy in this position without having to do the extra work. I mean, again, I'm not saying anything nefarious about Bill Belichick or that, you know, oh, well, like he doesn't want to hire minorities or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm just I'm just saying, like, look, this guy exploits every loophole there is. Plus the the financials, the fact that for at least one this season, he does not have to pay Matt Patricia basically jack. Well, that's the biggest reason he's here. Yeah. Because he's cheap. And I don't know how the system works. It's been theorized by many outside this building that Robert Kraft gives Bill a budget for his coaching staff. And Bill, I believe, makes 20 to $25 million a year. So you fill around that and you get guys that are paid, whether it was Brett Bielma, who was being paid by uh, what's Arkansas. Mm-hmm. You get uh, Bill, uh, you get Patricia and Judge being paid by the Giants and the Lions, respectively. You get people that are cheap, that have an understanding of who you are in the culture here. But the reason Matt Patricia is here, his, quote, football knowledge is probably third or fourth on the list. It's that he's available, he's cheap, and he knows their system. And most importantly to Bill, he's loyal and will not burn him in any way, shape, or form. He won't mangini Bill Belichick. So it's just it's so frustrating because if you believe in the cap, I don't. There are certain things in place to create parity among other NFL teams, but there is no cap on the coaching staff. And to have a guy in Matt Jones, Mac Jones, who is essential to your future, being coached by a guy who hasn't coached offense since college and is was pretty much a laughing stock across the NFL before he was hired here, and Joe Judge, a guy that said he wasn't ever going to quit and then took a knee on third down and had the worst offense in the NFL with the Giants the last two years with the young up-and-coming quarterback. In it, was only, it was only the second worst offense. Well, it, was thir- it was 31st, not 32nd, sorry, Curtis. Sorry, I'm always... Put some I, respect on that man's I name. am short-shifting Joe Judge once again. That's Kyrie Thompson. He is our superb Patriots writer for WEI.com, and he is in for Ken Laird, who continues his strike of not wanting to work with me ever again. So um, <laughs> he will be back. I believe Ken will be back next Saturday. But we have uh, Tuesday and Wednesday this week our WEINS and Jimmy Fun Radio Telethon. Uh, so we have a lot going on with that that Ken is busy with as well. So I understand. I accept it. And happy birthday, Mrs. Laird. So uh, I, I referenced this earlier in the show. The Patriots preseason game number one did a 10.1 rating in Boston. Uh, on That includes Boston and Manchester, WMUR. So for perspective, last year's game one did an 18 that number is 46 percent down year to year for the first preseason game and watching where i've been watching i haven't been at training camp so i'll get your information here but the game last night was a very late arriving crowd it looked like for the first quarter 
I would say from the, the, the shots I was being shown on WBZ, it looked about eh, 60% full. There were entire swaths of sections wide open. Of course, the red seats, that's the Greg Hill area. They're inside having a martini, so that's to be expected. But I, I'm curious uh, out there where you are with this team. Are you not as invested? Do you not believe in this team? Do you think that they overachieved last year and are going to get down to the middle? Are you used to Super Bowl contenders, and if they're not that, you're not into it? Uh, where you are with this organization, 617-779-7937. And to me, Kyrie, those numbers reflect a pretty simple thing, which is we're in a show-me period with this team. We're not going to get into a game where none of the starters are that into it, even if we used to get into those games, because it's not worth our time. If they're there week one, we'll be ready to go, see how they look against the Dolphins, and then we're off. But for right now, there's enough stuff out there. There's We've been inside for two years. It's a nice night, and on, on a warm summer day, you're going to go out and get a bite to eat and not stay at home and watch a preseason football. No, I think that's fair. And, you know, as I was thinking about it, too, and whether or not you think he was good, which he wasn't when he was here, but... Having Cam Newton in the mix, like just having his name and his like NFL-wide brand, I wonder how much that was a draw for people last year in terms of ratings. Like, oh, man, like Cam's battling it out with a rookie. Like, wonder if he can like bring it back. Because that that was something that, yeah, the, the Patriots have been in the news, you know, on NFL Network and ESPN and all that for the head for the offensive coaching thing. And, yeah, Mac Jones, the second year. But but I feel like last year it was it was constant, like, Oh yeah, who's going to win the quarterback competition, Cam or Mac? I feel like that might have been somewhat of a more general draw for just your casual NFL fan. And this year, it's like, oh yeah, it's Mac Jones and the defense, and you know, I don't know, is Matt Patricia calling the plays? Can we really even see that? Like, is that that interesting for just your casual NFL observer kind of thing? I, I feel like it's almost more like, yeah, like back to business as usual for the Patriots. And also, again, the, the fact, like, as you mentioned, like, are they really playing the people that matter? Like, are we sure we're going to see Mac Jones? And then I'm sure some people might have tuned in and seen like, what? Like Trent Brown isn't playing and who's that playing? Right. Jake, who's that? Okay. never mind. I'm shutting this off. Yeah. By the way, another I mean, the nepotism around the Patriots is getting a little absurd. Now you have your buddy from Iowa's son as your starting right tackle in James Ferentz like. I don't know if Ference is good. It has nothing to do with him as a person. It's just, it's a, it's a little much. From Mick Lombardi to James Ference to Stephen Bryan, it's like, it's a little much. Especially if you're an up-and-coming offensive coordinator in the NFL and you see the way the Patriots staff is composed, I don't know. I, I, I might uh, send a, a, a strongly worded letter to the uh, NFL League offices at some point. But uh, let's get your thoughts on all this. 617-779-7937. We'll kick it off this morning. With Jesse hey, in New guys? Bedford. How are you, Jesse? Hey, Jesse. I'm doing good, guys. How are you doing? Great. Uh, you know, my you guys ain't going to like what I'm going to say. Because oh, I'm pretty much going to go against the whole Boston media. But oh. uh, to me, you guys are ridiculous. It's so much, I mean, it's so much about the play calling, the play calling, the play calling. And then when we do something good, it's, well, the second team is out there. But, but, when, but when our first team's get stopped by the second team, it's, oh, you know, the Panthers suck. And the Panthers have some good receivers. <laughs> they did pretty good. Mac Jones threw a dime, an absolute dime, 45 yards. All I hear is, well, he was a little shaky. It was only two drives. He hasn't played since January in a, in a regular game. Jesse, what do you he, think? He Jesse, him? Jesse, I, I appreciate it. I, yeah. I'm not hanging up on you, and I love the passion. Um, yeah. wh what are your expectations for wins for this team this season? 
Um, I, I think I think they're going to be around. I think they're going to get one more than last year. I think they're going to be eleven and six. Um, I think I just think in my heart, my heart of hearts, I think our defense is really good. I mean, we got a Sean Wade is sticky. We got we're very deep in corner. We're very deep in receiver. I just think we're going to surprise deep a lot in of corner? teams. What? Who's the number one corner? I, what, what I mean is, you guys were just saying about C pluses for wide receivers, but there's a lot of them, or B minuses. That's what I think about the corners. I don't think we have an A. I think we got a lot of Bs and Cs. And with the scheme that Bill Belichick puts together, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna. And then we got a front seven. So a lot of quarterbacks ain't gonna have a lot of time to throw. Jesse, when, when I, we I, said I, Jesse, when we were talking opinion. about, I, I know, I know, Jesse, solid. Jesse, when we were talking about the offense. What was yeah. inaccurate? Mac looked bad the first two drives, and then Kyrie yeah. and I discussed discussed the forty five. Well, Kyrie actually credited the pass before, where both Aguilar and Mac read the read the blitz perfectly, symbiotically yeah. threw it to Aguilar, and then he had the forty five yard great dime to Aguilar down the sideline, and then Montgomery got the touchdown. I mean, we we, we talk about everything, not just the good plays. No, no, I know, no, I know that, but I'm just saying to me, like the like the media. This, they you they hop on it like I was listening to the post game show. The Patriots they do the post game and uh, Hardy was on there with uh, oh Paul he's Carrillo the worst. And, uh. and, oh my goodness gracious! Uh, right away, well McAdoo he was they put him on the bad list. He was on the bad list because he had two bad throws. <laughs> what, what are we doing here? This All right, is Jesse. Preseason, you're gonna work out the kinks. All right, appreciate they, the call, me, Jesse. Have a great weekend, but we'll talk to you next Thank week. You. Yeah, I mean, Hardy. Hate what? the Patriots. <laughs> Hardy, I mean, he works across the street. He's a great guy. I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. He's not exactly a, a bomb tosser. But th- this is the issue here, is that so many fans of this team were trained to hate the media because the media was creating boogeymen to try and take down the dynasty. And the issue was there was enough, quote, fake news from the media about the Patriots because they were desirous of the organization to suffer because they were sick of watching them in Super Bowls that we've now created this wall defense even when there's nothing to defend. Like the media hates the Patriots and we're all down on Mac Jones. Like, look, okay, it, his play is what it is. I, we didn't say it was horrible. We didn't say it was bad. I mean, right. there's stuff that, yeah, it's the stuff he needs to clean up. I don't think feel like that's a crazy thing to say. And and also with the ratings part. So, I mean, the, the big key that somebody just brought up is, yeah, well, we knew Mac Jones wasn't playing in preseason week one, so why do we want to watch Brian Hoyer? So that's also no, and, and the, part and, of that. <laughs> and you brought up a great point with Cam and Mac. You remember there was that organic great moment where they were chanting for Mac. Mac got yeah. the standing ovation. The fans hadn't seen him play. There was a lot of parts to that that absolutely don't exist this year. But on the other end, you could say they were a 7-9 and nine team entering another year where there were no expectations for a, a good season, whereas – this year, they've built the foundation. They got a 10-win team. They got a rookie into the Pro Bowl. Rookie led them to the playoffs. A team that was in the top seed in the AFC for a brief period of time. I mean, there was more buzz last year than there was in the 7-9 year, which is usually an indicator of the interest going into the next season. Yeah. I will say two things that I don't entirely disagree with from that call. Number one, we are talking too much about the damn play callers. I am tired. I am tired of these questions, but I mean, the thing is, it's like, okay, like it's a weird situation. I mean, what, what do you want us to do? Oh, it's, it's all fine. We're just going to completely ignore it right now and not, not even talk about the impact it might have on your second year quarterback that you want to be the future of your franchise. Yeah. We're, it's all good. And bill, we trust look, I mean, and, and I, I have said this several times. I think by the end of the year, we might not be worrying about this as much. We might look back on this and say, 
this might not have been that big of a deal after all. They're going to settle into it and find some kind of groove. They'll learn with time and blah, 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 right? Like, I, I, I think that that has a fairly likely chance of happening. But, I mean, until then, I mean, we kind of have to see how this arrangement works. Right. I mean, so, so I mean, they, they played around with it. And I think Belichick enjoys this, honestly. Oh, totally. I, I, I think he, he, he's just smirking, like, well, you know, it's a process. And, right. and when, when people keep asking him about it, they they played around with it and had Joe Judge do it. They played around with it, and, and Bill Belichick takes it over a little bit in practice, and everybody's like, oh, my God, look at that. Matt Patricia wasn't calling all the plays after all. What does this mean? Yeah, like, well, don't worry about that. We'll, we'll work it out. I feel like I keep on telling people, <laughs> like, in practice, Matt Patricia calls all the plays, okay, except for maybe that little bit where Bill Belichick was doing it. Matt Pat- They've been showing us in practice. Matt Patricia's the guy, and so I'm not going to lie. I have not been paying attention to the other eccentricities of it nearly as much because I feel like they have been showing us exactly what they intend to do. I also don't wholly disagree about the corner thing. I don't think all the corners are as bad as we thought it was. I don't think it's great. And I think it's funny that we're mentioning Sean Wade, who had an interception yesterday, but also almost killed Marcus Jones on a punt return (laughs) because he wasn't paying attention to where he was going. But yeah, I can see it being a situation where it's a bunch of, B minuses and C's at corners. And again, you just mix and match, but it isn't as bad as you thought it was. Yeah. And I think we look back thinking like, you know, the Patriots of the early dynasty weren't that good. There were a bunch of B minus players. No, we just didn't know who Vrabel was when he got here. He turned into a a legitimate top 10 linebacker at times in the NFL. I mean, there were a lot of players on those teams that were unheralded because nobody really knew much about the organization. That's not the case now. And I would also say, let's say the Dolphins week one, right? I don't know who their offensive coordinator is. If it's Mike McDaniel, he's going to call his own plays. But let's say the Dolphins hired Rex Ryan as their offensive coordinator. You don't think we'd be mocking them, talking about you bring in this guy who's a D coordinator. Brilliant football mind. Failed head coach into coach your offense. We'd be mocking the Dolphins all day. I'll say this, though. When it comes to failed head coaches i feel like we put a lot of a lot of premium on that it doesn't mean that you're a bad coach just because you failed as a head there are so many reasons you might fail as a head coach that have nothing to do with you like not being smart about football right and and for some guys it's about personality i i feel like with matt patricia i could see it being more about personality and the way he approached head coaching as opposed to the fact like oh he didn't know how to teach and he didn't know how to scheme right and he was such a disciple of bill that he just didn't know to do anything else so he got to detroit and he acts like a guy that's won five six super bowls when he's just starting his career so do me a favor just kind of sit up and just like have a little respect for the process uh, i agree all right we're gonna get this. <laughs> that was in detroit yikes uh, yeah no i remember that yeah uh let's get back to the calls uh oh my guy harry in quincy good morning harry how are you bud hello chris how are you hello chris hi harry hello. How, did I miss chris? how did i miss chris damn what is going on hello, hello. are you there we're there hi. good day yeah. harry Take your phone off mute, Chris. Yes. I don't know. I pressed these phones, Chris. Who knows? Hey, who knows? But, uh, you know, yeah, Chris, I I mean, I know that, you know, you make good points about the media and how the fans, but I remember day one when he came here, Ted Sarin, as I'm sure you remember him. (laughs) I interned for him. He passed Bill up and down, and then he, you know, and maybe that created a little bit of Bill's attitude. Who knows? But, yes, we need a story, and the story now is defensive coach. 
be an offensive coordinator. You know, I like listening to you, Chris, but I'm like you. I will, let the game start. Let's see what they do against Miami. But, you know, the media needs something, and you guys have a good way of, you know, you get me listening because uh, <laughs> I love it. You guys make you make me laugh on Saturday on every morning oh, thanks, during the Harry. week. You know, Chris? I appreciate but it. we don't have no deflate gate. We don't have uh, Tom leaving. It's like a big story. Now we're down to – Hey, let's talk about the offense and the process. <laughs> Believe you know, me, Harry, I love – You're not wrong. I, I, well, Harry, good <laughs> to hear from you as always. I, I, I absolutely – we did this thing on the old morning show every day where we would call it Whack-A-Troll or a national writer would write about Deflategate. So wrong with 16 different things. And the guy would come on all excited to argue, and it was just, you know, just shooting fish in a barrel. It was, it was a great period – and it gave a lot of listeners to this radio station and all that. I recognize that this is not quite as interesting, but it's more important. I mean, who's calling the plays dictates, in a way, the future of the person most uh, capable of leading this franchise to a Super Bowl in the next five to ten years. And so, and it's not only that, it's that, you know, last week I made this analogy. You know the guy that comes to work or the gal that comes to work with pink hair? or with a really wild outfit on, and then they're offended that you ask them about their outfit, well, it's like you dress like that so somebody would notice, and then you're mad that we're, we're explaining what you're wearing. Well, Bill is doing things into traffic. He's going outside the box. He's getting people in positions on the offense where they would not be ordinarily in any other situation, and then he's bothered when people ask why he's doing it. He's one of the most brilliant people I've ever been around in terms of football knowledge, so. It's just to me, it's kind of bizarre. But we'll uh, we'll grab Jack here before we uh, take a quick break. Jack, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, I I love the game. I, I love. I'm still very passionate about the Patriots. And while I don't think that we learned a ton from the game last night, I have three quickies that I think we did learn. Um, number one was at the end of last year, everybody was saying. The, the Patriots need to get more speed on defense. And I think they've done that. They, I definitely saw more speed. Uh, number two, they said Max not very accurate at throwing the deep ball. And he threw a nice 45-yarder to Aguilar. He also threw a nice one to Tyquan Borden that didn't end up getting caught, but it was right on the money. So maybe we learned that he's been working on his deep balls. And then the third thing we learned is I, we're a lot deeper at wide receiver, and I'm especially interested in some of these young receivers like Thornton and Wilkerson and a few other guys for the future. Hopefully they can keep some of them on the practice squad or something. But I, uh, those are the, the three things. What do you guys think? All right, Jack. I like it. Um, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, I want to hear Kyrie's thoughts on the Patriots receiving core, who you like, who you don't. Is Aguilar on the move? Is this a pump and dump, or is this a situation where the Patriots really need Aguilar? We'll get Kyrie's thoughts on that and yours coming up next. We're back. Ken and Curtis on WEEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. Nelson, uh, in the first quarter, we see uh, third down um, uh, blitz on the from the defender right across from you. Make a quick read, catch the quick pass, get the first down. A couple plays later, we see 45-yard pass down the sideline. Looks like you and Mac are perfectly in tune. How much work between you and Mac to get the 
chemistry right between the two of you to make those two plays happen from those sort of different ends of the spectrum? Uh, a lot of work and uh, a lot more work to continue to be done, you know, where we're just working every day. But it was a lot of work to be on the same page and speak the same language, but we keep going. Well, that is Nelson Aguilar uh, on the big night last night as the uh, Patriots get off the schneid, a big win to even up their preseason record at one and one. So, uh, but in all sincerity, a good a good game for Aguilar, uh, a great. I mean, the throw from Mac to Aguilar, forty five yards down the sideline to set up their uh, Max Lone touchdown drive, was about as good as you can throw it. Yeah, uh, a perfect pass, good catch, all that. Um, and Kyrie and I have been discussing, even when you were first arrived, the receiver situation. I theorize to you, and I'll do it now in the air, that it appears that there's a little bit of a push from the organization to pump the tires of Aguilar entering last night and maybe even diagramming some plays for him because that contract is a lot of money for this year. I think it's $11 million or so. So it's $9 million base salary. $9 million yeah. base, and they don't get much um, room if they just cut them because yeah. of the way the contract was was drawn up. Right, so it's $10 million in dead money versus just about $4 million of savings, so it's not really that beneficial to cut him. So if you're moving on from Aguilar, it basically has to be a trade, but again, you've got to find a team that's going to want to take on $9 million. Exactly. So if you want to do that, you got to pump his tires so you know, the the word out of either the joint practices or the practices leading into that was that Aguilar was looking good, and that continued last night. But you're there every day. You've actually seen these practices. I've read about them. What is your view of Aguilar, and how do you see this receiver room, uh, you know, e- exiting camp and entering the season? Well, I think with Aguilar, the, the new offensive scheme, where we've talked about all the negative things, right, what it's going to do to Mac Jones and, and whether or not the offensive line can run it. This new scheme really benefits Aguilar because they tried to make him something last year that he was not, which was a purely outside X receiver. But they and they did that because they didn't have the depth, right? They only had three receivers that actually did much of anything right. all season. So now you have Devontae Parker and a couple of other options where you can yeah, you can stick Nelson Aguilar uh, on the outside if you want to, which is where he was. He got one on one on that deep ball right there but on the play that he had where he converted the first down he was out of the slot and that was also just the mac jones said earlier in the week like oh yeah i've never been around a receiver as smart as nelson Aguilar. he's like a quarterback on the field i mean that play was a really smart play from both of them they saw the blitzer coming off the edge Aguilar alerts it he doesn't even try to run a route he literally just turns and said dude throw me the ball right now throws him the ball, picks up an easy first down, and then beats his man in one-on-ones, which that was happening all week. There was not a single Panthers cornerback that could check Aguilar in practice one-on-one. He was getting open every which way on them because when, when you watch him operate in those settings, his quickness just really stands out. Every move that he makes is, is so twitchy, right? It's so, so explosive and so sudden. Getting open and running routes is not a problem for Aguilar. A lot of times it's it's tracking the ball down the field. I'm noticing where it's like, okay, he's he's running down the sideline or, or the ball's hanging up in the air. What's he going to do with it? And sometimes it looks like he fights it. It doesn't look natural. But he also had a couple plays this week where he went up over two or three dudes to make a catch. And I thought a one in particular, like that's destined to get picked off or intercepted. And there goes Aguilar jumping over everybody to make the grab. It's like, you're acting different this year. Right. Yeah, and the one thing that with the receivers that has been a shock to me, entering training camp, 
I would have said Kendrick Bourne is is destined for a huge second year. Says all the right things. Had big plays. Has present, I believe, was present in all the OTAs. Worked out with Max several times. Yeah, he, mi- he missed a day. Missed a day. He missed a day. Yeah. But in general, he was a guy that we all felt positive about. And then this camp, he's just disappeared. He got in the fight. Was kicked out of the joint practice with the Panthers. Where is Bourne right now? Is he potentially? Uh, a casualty of the of the cap or the roster as they enter uh, the season. You know, it's interesting. Doug Hyde, Pro Football Focus, kind of said that. Yeah, everybody's talking about Aguilar being the trade bait because he's the biggest contract that you could get out of. But Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers and Devontae Parker all have pretty movable contracts. With, with Bourne, his contract is such a bargain. It's like that would almost feel criminal to move him after he was rated one of the best values in the NFL in terms of his contract and the production you got from him last year. But I mean, I feel like you can't rule anything out. The weird thing with Bourne is that when you watch him in practice, he just doesn't, he just doesn't get open. I I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like even in one-on-ones, which are designed to benefit the offense, he just looks kind of slow and sluggish and, and that the, the Twitch, I don't know if something is up with him injury wise, but he just doesn't quite look as explosive as he did. Not that he's a super fast guy or anything like that, but even just some some of the shiftiness just doesn't quite look like it's there. And then there are little things like whatever equipment violation got him screamed at by Belichick during joint practices on Tuesday. Really? Yes. Yeah. So before the fight, like literally two plays before the fight, Bourne, the, the, the officials pulled him off the field for something. Couldn't tell what it was, still don't know. But Belichick is screaming at him, if you're not going to make a play, don't bother. And and we and, and that was the first thing I heard. I was making a note about something, and then we just hear Belichick yelling. And we're like, what in the world is going on there? And then two plays later, Bourne's out, out of practice because he just fought. Wow. Well, and that's I, I mean, that's a huge – I mean, he was pissed because Bill undressed him, and then he gets in a fight and gets ejected. That's – I mean, that is a pretty clear precursor. Anybody. I mean, if I get – I used to get yelled at all the time. I mean, I, I acted oddly. I, I would say if you're a, a NFL receiver – and you're playing another team full of people that you consider, you know, colleagues and respect, and you get undressed by your head coach in that manner, and then two plays later you get ejected after getting yeah. into a fight? It, yeah, I mean, it's just a really bad sequence of events for him, a quiet couple of weeks. But to to talk about Aguilar real quick before, before we got to hop out for the end of the hour, i got to be honest with you, I don't think they can trade him. They like, can't trade Aguilar. Like, like and, and it's not that they cannot in terms of logistics. No, of course no, they I could. They just got to find a taker. Right. But that receiver group they put out there in the first series with Mac Jones, Jacoby Myers, and Devontae Parker, so slow. So slow. And then maybe it's not a coincidence that they put Nelson Aguilar and Tyquan Thornton on the field together. You put the speed out there, and all of a sudden things open up. Okay? If you, if you trade Nelson Aguilar, your only speed is Tyquan Thornton, and I don't think you can have that. In his rookie season. Right. A guy that who already, uh, I think it was his only catch, and he gets the driven to the ground by uh, number 40 of the Panthers. I don't know what his name was, but big, 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 strong linebacker puts his shoulder into the turf, and he was out for the rest of the game. Bill Belichick with the media made he did, it. He did continue to play. Like he stayed in the game for a little bit. And, and with Thornton, it's interesting because they kind of ruled him out later on. I'm inclined to think maybe it's not that big a deal, but right. still, he didn't finish the game right didn't finish the game and bill made it clear that when he was out of the game that it was out specifically they announced if a player is not returning not that he's out for any prolonged period i would be shocked if tyquan thornton didn't make the trip 
to Vegas. So we'll continue on the receivers here for a bit. See your calls, 617-779-7937. We'll get to those. And if you're sick and tired of hearing about who's calling the plays, the joint practices in Vegas will not give you a reprieve. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.